Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Turn Evangelism Podcast with T.S. Myers. Our prayer is that this message impacts your life. If it does, let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and let us know how God used this message to influence you. If you would like to follow our ministry, we would love for you to go to turnevangelism.com and check us out. It's all inclusive. It's all there. Read the brochure. You're okay. Be who you've become. Get up and walk and get out the door and get to the Father's business. If you're not doing that, you're falling into the trap of the devil. Titus chapter 2, verse 12 goes on to say, so we talked about how the grace of God, which brings salvation, has appeared to all men, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-control and upright and godly lives in this present age. Now look at verse 13. It says this. While we wait, I love this word. Some of you are in here like, I hate this word. When I hear wait from God, I hate hearing it because it means I have to like die to myself and actually wait. And it's just so, so hard, right? I love this word. I feel like it it captures the essence of what the gospel is. Waiting on God, trusting in him, hoping in him. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, not some, by the way, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. I love that too, by the way. We're not just... We don't just have to do what is good, but since the new covenant is coming, God is putting in us a heart that actually wants to follow him. We become people who are eager to do what is good. Verse 15. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Basically, he's saying like you need to teach this stuff. The stuff that's here, the stuff to come. And if you don't teach it correctly, we deserve rebuke. And you might just get rebuked. And that's okay. I know we're in the 21st century. We don't like it. We're sensitive. But we need it. So what does God's grace do? God's grace not only brings salvation, it not only enables us in our salvation, but here's something that is beautiful. God's grace guarantees that something better is always coming. It's my last point of the night. God's grace guarantees that something better is coming. You have hope. You're not hopeless while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We live this way on this earth. We say no to sin because sin's not better than Jesus. And we say yes to Jesus. And we live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age because we have this hope that we're looking towards. It's beautiful. When we have something better to look forward to, we wait patiently for it. This is not just true with the gospel. It is true with the gospel, but it's not just true with the gospel. It's true with everything. Sometimes when I'm working hard in my life and I have something fun to look forward to at the end, what I'm headed to helps me get through what I'm going through. I remember times where I've studied and and I I think I'd be going down to Florida or something, whether it be to go to a theme park or visit family, I can't remember. Okay, But the point is I would keep that in my mind while I was going through the hard time of the study 
And where I was headed to would help me get through it. My circumstances didn't become all-consuming at that point. They didn't become my idol. But I was able to look beyond them. And what I, what I realized is that this is the hope that Jesus sets up in the gospel as well. Is that God gives you something beyond your circumstances. Just imagine if you weren't a Christian. How hopeless your life would be. You would die and that would be it if you're an atheist. That's at least what you would think is not the truth. And what happens when you have that mindset is there's nothing beyond now. Everything right now becomes all-consuming. You cannot handle it. You lose hope at the, the flip of your God dying. So maybe your God is self, or maybe your God is family, or maybe your God's your wife, or your, your kids, or whatever. Or maybe it's something that you like. Maybe it's a sin issue. And the moment that shatters, you shatter. Because your eyes are in the wrong place. But if you have something beyond this earth that you look to, and you learn to wait patiently for it. You learn to say no while you're here to certain things. Because something better's coming. You guys understand this in other areas too. So if my brothers and I... There's a place in Miami called Texas Day Brazil. It's an all-you-can-eat steak restaurant. Okay? And if, if we know that we're going there or somewhere similar, you know what we'll do? We might that day decide not to eat anything. We might that day decide to say no to every other food source because we know something better is coming. If I told you, do you guys know who Gordon Ramsay is? Like a Michelin star restaurant guy, has all these TV shows and stuff. If I told you, you could have McDonald's now. McChicken, that's it. Or if you wait to the end of the night, and you say no to McDonald's and the buffet that maybe I've set out, Gordon Ramsay's going to be cooking, and he will give you the meal of your life. What would you choose? Would you choose the McChicken for real? Or would you decide to wait patiently for something better that's coming? Oh, you'd be an idiot. Sorry, excuse my language. If you, if you took the McChicken and you knew... Gordon Ramsay, right around the corner, is about to cook the meal of your life. Right? A few years ago, I was on a cruise with my family, and there's an all-you-can-eat buffet. And you can choose one of two things. You can spoil your appetite at that all-you-can-eat buffet, or you could decide to go into the dining area, and three times a day, they would actually wait on you and cook for you. And it was really good food. Problem is, if you ate that all-you-can-eat buffet with the soggy chicken fingers or whatever that the pool kids are touching and stuff, you could fill up right away, and you wouldn't be able to be good for that nice meal, right? And this is what it means to wait on the Lord as well. Waiting on the Lord means that you trust that what God has to offer you is better than what you can go out and get for yourself right now. And so here we are at the heart of the gospel. Romans chapter 4 talks about Abraham and why he was credited righteousness. It says, yep, he did not waver in his faith regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith 
and gave glory to God. God had promised him that he would be the father of many nations, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And even though Sarah's womb was as good as dead, and he was as good as dead himself, he didn't stop trusting in the Lord, and he didn't lose hope in what that promise guaranteed what was coming. So the Bible says, he didn't waver in his faith regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the ability to do what he had promised. And because of this, it was credited to him as righteousness. So when you say no to sin, you're saying yes to what God has to offer you for the future. And God sees this. And he sees that your heart genuinely believes in the gospel. And he credits it to you as righteousness. And so the grace of God, which brings salvation, has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us and to purify for himself a people of his very own, eager to do what is good, to purify us from all wickedness. We say no now because we have something better to say yes to. I want to throw up my last slide on this screen. Throw up my last slide. There we go. Okay. Would you say no to this? It's a nasty buffet. That, and let this be a metaphor for, yeah, you can go out and you can sin right now. You can go have sex. You can do some drugs tonight. It'll make you happy for a minute and then you'll feel terrible afterwards. You can disobey your parents. Or you can say no to this now and to living for yourself and to live your way. And you can trust in the Lord and his way and say yes to him and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives because God has, has come into your heart and has enabled you to do this. You can say no to this now. So would you say no to this? Now go to the next one to say yes to this. Now pull it up. So here you have a buffet, but here you have this gourmet meal. And so what I want to encourage you to do is put your faith into practice. Show it by how you live. Don't just say you believe. Actually believe. How do you show that you believe? By saying no to sin and ungodliness. Because you know something better is coming. Because you've actually trusted the Lord. You've actually taken hold of that promise. How could you not? How do we know that what we wait patiently for is real? How do we know that what we wait patiently for is really good and is going to be good? Well, if it's just conceptual, it's going to be really hard to fathom this, isn't it? But it's not just conceptual. It's not just in your head as something you need to understand. We talked about this last night. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says that when you believe the gospel, you're marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. He's a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. Now, what does this mean? The Holy Spirit is a foretaste. How do I know if you're really saved and you're really following Jesus? Because when you really trust in Jesus and the Spirit of God is given to you and you taste and you see that God is good, you're like, okay, yeah, I, I need to say no to this stuff because something better is coming. He's given you a foretaste. 
you start to realize how good God is. And getting closer to Him starts to help you realize how bad sin is. And you don't want to have anything to do with sin because God is that much better. There's that old song. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. Now look at this verse. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. Is that your story? Is that your song? It's really hard to sing that song if God hasn't put the song in your heart. You can understand it. You can say that's all well and good, but all you've ever tasted is the buffet of this world that you think is fine, but you haven't tasted the better thing yet. Tell you what, you start eating Gordon Ramsay stuff, you're not going to want to go back to McDonald's. You're going to want the good stuff. And God is the good stuff. Let's go over these points one more time. Grace brings salvation. Grace enables you ultimately to say no. And grace guarantees that something better is coming. And it's guaranteed not by your works, but by Jesus' blood. It's not dependent on you. It's a promise, but it's a promise that you can taste. And when you taste it, something happens. And you can't come into contact with a relationship with God that he offers you in the gospel and not show it. I'm not preaching works. I'm just telling you the way the gospel works, okay? Can you do anything to lose your salvation? No, but if you have your salvation, you will sin less because you know God. You see, you may know what grace is, but based on the evidence, do you really know God's grace in your life? Is it showing? Or are you like that man who says, no, I swear I got hit by the logging truck. Are the fruits of your life showing the work of God in your life? If not, turn to Jesus today. Right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity to hand your life over to Jesus. This isn't the end of my invitation. i got some cards here. We're going to have a little exercise after this, okay? But I want to give you an opportunity. If God has spoken to your heart to hand your life over to Jesus genuinely, so you can taste and see that He's good, I want you right now to say, Jesus, I'm done with my work, and I'm trusting in your work. I know that I am not good enough and all of me needs to go, not just the sin, but also my trophies. I only want to boast in you. If you do that, you can walk out of these doors knowing that you have a relationship with God, knowing that you know God, and you can know that you have hope of eternal life because the promise of God is sealed by the blood of God. Will you let God know in a prayer right now, a prayer of surrender? If that's you, let him know right now. Say this prayer after me and mean it. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. I put my sins on your cross and I even put my trophies there as well. The things I thought were good enough. 
I know I can't do anything to be saved. I need you to save me. Come into my life, Jesus. I want to know you in a personal relationship. Be my Savior, be my Lord, and be my friend. Just like you rose from the dead, raise me to life today so I can live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Did this message draw you closer to God, or did you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior today? We want to hear about it. Let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and fill out the form at the bottom of the page and tell us what God did in your life through this message. Also, if you would like to bring T.S. Myers out to do ministry with your church or organization, send us a message on our website, turnevangelism.com. Thank you for joining us for this message from Turn Evangelism with T.S. Myers.